0: Chapter Five of the Mutiny of the Elsinore. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Mutiny of the Elsinore by Jack London. Chapter Five. I came out from tea in the cabin to find the tug Britannia in sight. She was the craft that was to tow us down Chesapeake Bay to sea strolling forward, i noted the sailors being routed out of the forecastle by sundry buyers forever tenderly pressing his abdomen with his hands another man was helping sundry buyers at routing out the sailors i asked mr pike who the man was nancy my boatswain ain't he a peach was the answer i got and from the mate's manner of enunciation i was quite aware that nancy had been used derisively nancy could not have been more than thirty though he looked as if he had lived a very long time he was toothless and sad and weary of movement his eyes were slate-coloured and muddy his shaven face was sickly yellow narrow-shouldered sunken-chested with cheeks cavernously hollow he looked like a man in the last stages of consumption little life as sundry buyers showed nancy showed even less life and these were bosuns bosuns of the fine american sailing ship elsinore never had any illusion of mine taken a more distressing cropper it was plain to me that the pair of them spineless and spunkless were afraid of the men they were supposed to boss and the men dore could never have conjured a more delectable hell's broth for the first time I saw them all, and I could not blame the two bosuns for being afraid of them. They did not walk. They slouched and shambled, some even tottered, as from weakness or drink. But it was their faces. I could not help remembering what Miss West had just told me, that ships always sailed with several lunatics or idiots in their crews, but these looked as if they were all lunatic or feeble-minded and I too wondered where such a mass of human wreckage could have been obtained. There was something wrong with all of them. Their bodies were twisted, their faces distorted, and almost without exception they were undersized. The several quite fairly large men I marked were vacant-faced. One man, however, large and unmistakably Irish, was also unmistakably mad he was talking and muttering to himself as he came out a little curved lopsided man with his head on one side and with the shrewdest and wickedest of faces and pale blue eyes addressed an obscene remark to the mad irishman calling him o'sullivan but o'sullivan took no notice and muttered on on the heels of the little lopsided man appeared an overgrown dolt of a fat youth followed by another youth so tall and emaciated of body that it seemed a marvel his flesh could hold his frame together next after this perambulating skeleton came the weirdest creature i have ever beheld he was a twisted oaf of a man face and body were twisted as with the pain of a thousand years of torture his was the face of an ill-treated and feeble-minded fawn his large black eyes were bright eager and filled with pain and they flashed questioningly from face to face and to everything about they were so pitifully alert those eyes as if forever a to catch the clue to some perplexing and threatening enigma not until afterwards did i learn the cause of this he was stone deaf having had his eardrums destroyed in the boiler explosion which had wrecked the rest of him i noticed the steward standing at the galley door and watching the men from a distance his keen asiatic face quick with intelligence was a relief to the eye as was the vivid face of shorty who came out of the forecastle with a leap and a gurgle of laughter but there was something wrong with him too he was a dwarf and as i was to come to know his high spirits and low mentality united to make him a clown mr pike stopped beside me a moment and while he watched the men i watched him the expression on his face was that of a cattle buyer and it was plain that he was disgusted with the quality of cattle delivered something the matter with the last mother's son of them he growled and still they came one pallid furtivide that i instantly adjudged a drug fiend another a tiny wizened old man pinched face and wrinkled with beady malevolent blue eyes a third a small well-fleshed man who seemed to my eye the most normal and least unintelligent specimen that had yet appeared but mr pike's eye was better trained than mine what's the matter with you he snarled at the man nothing sir the fellow answered stopping immediately what's your name Mr. Pike never spoke to a sailor save with a snarl. Charles Davis, sir. What are you limping about? I ain't limping, sir, the man answered respectfully, and, at a nod of dismissal from the mate, marched off jauntily along the deck with a hoodlum swing to the shoulders. He's a sailor, all right, the mate grumbled, but I'll bet you a pound of tobacco or a month's wages there's something wrong with him the forecastle now seemed empty but the mate turned on the boatswain's with his customary snarl what in hell are you doing sleeping think this is a rest-cure get in there and rustle em out sundry buyers pressed his abdomen gingerly and hesitated while nancy his face one dogged long-suffering bleakness reluctantly entered the forecastle then from inside we heard oaths vile and filthy urgings and expostulations on the part of nancy meekly and pleadingly uttered i noted the grim and savage look that came on mr pike's face and was prepared for i knew not what awful monstrosities to emerge from the forecastle instead to my surprise came three fellows who were strikingly superior to the ruck that had preceded them i looked to see the mate's face soften to some sort of approval on the contrary his blue eyes contracted to narrow slits the snarl of his voice was communicated to his lips so that he seemed like a dog about to bite but the three fellows they were small men all and young men anywhere between twenty-five and thirty though roughly dressed they were well dressed and under their clothes their bodily movements showed physical well-being their faces were keen-cut intelligent and though i felt there was something queer about them i could not divine what it was here were no ill-fed whisky poisoned men such as the rest of the sailors who having drunk up their last pay-days had starved ashore until they received and drunk up their advance-money for the present voyage these three on the other hand were supple and vigorous their movements were spontaneously quick and accurate Perhaps it was the way they looked at me, with incurious, yet calculating eyes, that nothing escaped. They seemed so worldly-wise, so indifferent, so sure of themselves. I was confident they were not sailors. Yet, as shore-dwellers, I could not place them. They were a type I had never encountered. Possibly I can give a better idea of them by describing what occurred as they passed before us they favoured mr pike with the same indifferent keen glances they gave me what's your name you mr pike barked at the first of the trio evidently a hybrid irish jew jewish his nose unmistakably was equally unmistakable was the irish of his eyes and jaw and upper lip the three had immediately stopped and though they did not look directly at one another they seemed to be holding a silent conference another of the trio in whose veins ran god alone knows what Semitic, babylonish or latin strains gave a warning signal oh nothing so crass as a wink or a nod i almost doubted that i had intercepted it and yet i knew he had communicated a warning to his fellows more a shade of expression that had crossed his eyes or a glint in them of sudden light or whatever it was it carried the message murphy the other answered the mate sir mr pike snarled at him murphy shrugged his shoulders in token that he did not understand it was the poise of the man of the three of them the cool poise that impressed me when you address any officer on this ship you'll say sir mr pike explained his voice as harsh as his face was forbidding did you get that "'Yes, sir,' Murphy drawled with deliberate slowness. "'I got gotcha. you.' "'Sir!' Mr. Pike roared. "'Sir,' Murphy answered, so softly and carelessly that it irritated the mate to further bully-ragging. "'Well, Murphy's too long,' he announced. "'Nosey'll do you aboard this craft. Got that?' "'I got gotcha, you, sir.' came the reply insolent in its very softness and unconcern nosy murphy goes sir and then he laughed the three of them laughed if laughter it might be called that was laughter without sound or facial movement the eyes alone laughed mirthlessly and cold-bloodedly certainly mr pike was not enjoying himself with his baffling personalities he turned upon the leader the one who had given the warning and who looked the admixture of all that was mediterranean and semitic what's your name bert rhine sir was the reply in tones as soft and careless and silkily irritating as the others and you this to the remaining one the youngest of the trio a dark-eyed olive-skinned fellow with a face most striking in its cameo like beauty American-born, I placed him, of emigrants from southern Italy, from Naples, or even Sicily. Twist, sir, he answered, precisely in the same manner as the others. Too long, the mate sneered. The kid'll do you. Got that? I got you, sir. Kid Twist'll do me, sir. Kid'll do. Kid, sir. And the three laughed their silent, mirthless laugh. By this time Mr. Pike was beside himself with a rage that could find no excuse for action. "'Now I'm going to tell you something, the bunch of you, for the good of your health.' The mate's voice grated with the rage he was suppressing. "'I know your kind. You're dirt. Do ye get that? You're dirt. And on this ship you'll be treated as dirt.' You do your work like men, or I'll know the reason why. The first time one of you bats an eye, or even looks like batting an eye, he gets his. Do you get that? Now get out. Get along forward to the windlass. Mr. Pike turned on his heel, and I swung alongside of him as he moved aft. What do you make of them? I queried. The limit, he grunted. I know their kidney. They've done time, the three of them they're just plain sweepings of hell here his speech was broken off by the spectacle that greeted him on number two hatch sprawled out on the hatch were five or six men among them larry the tatterdemalion who had called him old stiff earlier in the afternoon that larry had not obeyed orders was patent for he was sitting with his back propped against his sea-bag which ought to have been in the forecastle Also, he and the group with him ought to have been ford manning the windlass. The mate stepped upon the hatch and towered over the man. Get up, he ordered. Larry made an effort, groaned, and failed to get up. I can't, he said. Sir! I can't, sir. I was drunk last night and slept in Jefferson Market. And this morning I was froze tight, sir. They had to pry me loose. "'Stiff with cold you were, eh?' the mate grinned. "'It's well ye might say it, sir,' Larry answered. "'And you feel like an old stiff, eh?' Larry blinked with the troubled, querulous eyes of a monkey. He was beginning to apprehend he knew not what, and he knew that bending over him was a man-master. "'Well, I'll just be showing you what an old stiff feels like, anyways,' Mr. Pike mimicked the other's brogue and now i shall tell what i saw happen please remember what i have said of the huge paws of mr pike the fingers much longer than mine and twice as thick the wrists massive boned the arm bones and the shoulder bones of the same massive order with one flip of his right hand with what i might call an open-handed lifting upward slap save that it was the ends of the fingers only that touched larry's face He lifted Larry into the air, sprawling him backward on his back across the sea-bag. The man alongside of Larry emitted a menacing growl, and started to spring belligerently to his feet. But he never reached his feet. Mr. Pike, with the back of the same right hand, open, smote the man on the side of the face. The loud smack of the impact was startling. The mate's strength was amazing the blow looked so easy so effortless it had seemed like the lazy stroke of a good-natured bear but in it was such a weight of bone and muscle that the man went down sideways and rolled off the hatch on to the deck at this moment lurching aimlessly along appeared o'sullivan a sudden access of muttering on his part reached mr pike's ear and mr pike instantly keen as a wild animal his paw in the act of striking o'sullivan whipped out like a revolver shot what's that then he noted the scent-struck face of o'sullivan and withheld the blow bug house mr pike commented involuntarily i had glanced to see if captain west was on the poop and found that we were hidden from the poop by the midship house mr pike taking no notice of the man who lay groaning on the deck stood over larry who was likewise groaning the rest of the sprawling men were on their feet subdued and respectful i too was respectful of this terrific aged figure of a man the exhibition had quite convinced me of the verity of his earlier driving and killing days who's the old stiff now he demanded Tis me, sir," Larry moaned contritely. "Get up." Larry got up without any difficulty at all. Now get forward to the windlass. The rest of you, and they went sullenly, shamblingly, like the cowed brutes they were. End of chapter Five.